are the star of the show. Um, you are the one we're all here to worship this morning. Um, and I just pray that everyone who watches this morning, whether they stumble across it um, or have their have their cursor already on that Facebook page, ready to go, um, that you make yourself known to each and every one. Well, good morning, Christian Layman Church. Uh, there's the saying that I always like to say on Easter Sunday, and you probably know it. I'm going to say, he is risen. And you say, he is risen indeed. Let's try it. He is risen. All right, I'm just going to assume that you said it. Um, well, my name is Josh, and it is so good to see your profile pictures and however else um, you're joining us this morning. Um, so happy to have you and to be in this space with everyone. Um, definitely the strangest Easter service I think I can say I've been a part of. Um, and so, yeah, let's just lift that up to God um, and pray before we start off with musical worship this morning. Um, so if you can bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the miracle of technology uh, that allows us to worship and celebrate your resurrection today uh, in this way, even though we can't be physically together. Um, I also just want to call attention to any tension uh, that, that might be in the room this morning call attention to any fear, any worry, anxiety, uncertainty. I know that there are probably people in this space who are dealing with job loss, sickness, and maybe even death. Uncertainty about weddings, big events that they have planned, vacations, graduations. And that we just give all of those burdens up to you this morning. And Jesus, we thank you for what you did for us on that cross. And start there, uh, that you came to earth as a vulnerable little baby, that being fully God and fully man, you lived the perfect life that none of us could. And so it had to be you to be the one to make the ultimate sacrifice for us, death on a cross. We are so, so thankful for what you did for us. We're also so grateful for the power that we have. You defeated sin and you defeated death and you defeated evil. And that you rule over the entire world. And even though right now, for some of us, it may not feel that way, that you may feel far away, distant. And so I pray that this morning, you show up. You show up in everyone's homes and apartments, condos, wherever they are, that you make yourself known. 
we remind people that they are loved by a God who's known them since before the beginning of time. Now we can put our trust in you. Thank you to remind me that when two or three are virtually gathered in your name, that you are as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, and as we prepare to head into musical worship, just ask uh, that you please stand uh, wherever you are, that you grab your kids, your roommates, your partner. And uh, as we're getting ready to sing, since it is Easter Sunday, um, I'd love to just invite you to sing. And maybe if you're a little more on the shy or self-conscious side, um, I would just invite you to buy some noise-canceling earphones for whoever else is uh, in your in your place, uh, or a cheaper version. Maybe get some what are those called earplugs. Um, let's just sing out our praises to Jesus this morning. Doesn't stand a chance. Sent in your love. 
next song uh i have just been reflecting this past week uh through some conversations that uh i had in my home group this past thursday and thinking about the misconceptions and i think sometimes we throw to jesus that are keeping us from the real him um that keep us from remembering who he is what we have access to and so let's let's sing out truths about Jesus this morning. I think you are here. You are here moving in our midst. We worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. We worship you. Worship you. You are here, moving in our midst. We worship you. We worship you. You are here, working in this place. We worship you. We worship you. Sing you are. You are we make miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are we make miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are here. Touching every heart, I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship you. I worship you. Sing, you are here. You are here, turning lives up. Worship you, I worship you. You are here, mending every heart. Worship you, worship you. You are waymaker, miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God. That is who you are. You are remake miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God. That 
that is who you are and that is who you are 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 Let's be reminded that God is still at work, whether we see Him or not. And in every circumstance, whether we feel alone, scared, afraid, He's still there, and we can call on Him at any time. Sing even when I see it, when I don't see it. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop. Stop working. Never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working. Never stop. You never stop working. Never stop. You never stop working Even when I don't see it, you're working Even when I don't feel it, you're working You never stop, you never stop working You never stop, you never stop You are we make miracle work Promise keeper, light in the darkness My God, that is who you are You are we make Miracle work, promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are, yes you are. We make miracle, promise keep light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Praise God that he is the way maker and the promise keeper and the light in the darkness. And that is who we are celebrating this Easter morning. The risen king, the one who resurrected from the grave. You know, but in that celebration of Easter, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes I forget the cross. Sometimes I forget how much it took. That victory came at a great cost. That there was pain and there was suffering that had to be endured for you and for me to experience new life. And so as we sing this next song, how deep the Father's love for us. I love it because it captures the heart of the Father in those moments of seeing Jesus on the cross. It shows us the depth of love that he had for you and for me that would cause him to send his one and only son to die for you and for me. And so as we sing this next song, I invite you to reflect upon the heart of the Father and the willingness and obedience of the Son and see the great love that He has for you and for me. Let's sing. <laughs> 
deep the Father's love for us. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He should give His only Son to make a wretch His treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The for what you did for us on that cross. We thank you so much for the great sacrifice and the pain and the suffering that you endured so that we can have new life in you, Lord. We thank you that you've resurrected from the grave, that you have claimed victory over sin, over death, over shame, and that today we can be with you, today that we can celebrate the victory, Lord. And we thank you so much that we have a reason to sing and to worship as one church family this morning. 
We ask that you would be with us as we continue to reflect on Easter and the gospel and what that means, Lord. And we pray that every single moment we would be transformed by it. We love you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And at this time, I'd like to kick it on over to our kids moment with Teacher Lynn and Pastor Bob. <coughs> oh, hello, children. Hi, my name is Pastor Bob. How are you doing, children? My hearing is not too good. How are you doing, children? Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, well, I hear we're having today an Easter egg hunt. And I love myself a good Easter egg hunt. But because of sheltered in place, I'm alone. And I don't want to be alone. I think I shall phone a friend. Now, who should I call? Hmm. Hmm. Oh, I know. I shall call my good friend, Teacher Lin. Oh, Teacher Lin, please help us find some eggs. It's for the children. Hey, Pastor Bob. Thanks for calling. Hi, everyone. Happy Easter. I miss seeing you all. So here we are in my kitchen, ready for an Easter egg hunt. Where should we look for those eggs? Refrigerator? Are these the eggs we're looking for? I don't think so. How about we look in the Instapot? No eggs in there. Where else could the Easter eggs be? Hey, this looks like an Easter egg. Okay, let's see what's inside. A rock? Who puts a rock inside of an Easter egg as a prize? I was thinking like chocolate or those crunchy rice crackers, but a rock? Okay, wait, there's something else in here. Let's look at this. This says Luke 23, 53. They took the body of Jesus down and wrapped it in linen and laid his body in the tomb that was cut in stone. They took the body of Jesus down and wrapped it in linen and laid his body in the tomb that was cut in stone. Wow. That must have been kind of sad when they took Jesus's body down. I wonder if there was crying. That was a really sad moment. I know that this is not the end of the Easter story. Hey, Pastor Bob, maybe you can help with the rest of this story because I'm a little sad right now. Pastor Bob? Oh, <laughs> uh, Teacher Lynn, don't worry. Um, I hear this story gets really sad, but then in the end, it gets really 
happy. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know about you, but I could show you some happiness right about now. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> but the only way we can finish the story is by finding the missing egg. So, let's look for the last egg. Where is it? Is it in my dollhouse? Let's take a look. Is it here? Is it... No, is it there? No? Well, where could it be? Where could it be in the plant? Is it in the plant? Where? Is it in the plant? No? Well, then where could the missing egg be? This is quite a problem. No! <laughs> Here it is! Here it is! It was right under my beard <laughs> the whole time. Now, let's take a look at this. This is the egg. Let's shake it up a bit, shall we? Do you hear anything? No? I don't either. Let's smell it, shall we? Ah, I do not smell one thing. Now let's open it up. Oh, <laughs> my lucky stars. Look inside this. Nothing, nothing. It's empty. I thought this was a happy story. How is an empty egg a happy story? Let's see, there was an empty tomb. And then they went to go to the tomb. Empty egg? This is really perplexing. Teacher Lin, I don't know, I don't understand. But somehow I feel this is still a happy story. Now kids, if you can explain to me how an empty egg is a happy story, please tell me because I would really like to know. Well, I think our kids' moment has come to a jolly good end. God bless you all. Signing off. Goodbye, everyone. Now I shall hand it over to Denny, our fabulous MC. Thank you, Pastor Bob, and thank you, Teacher Lynn, for the excellent segment for our kids' moment. Good morning, everyone. Um, good morning, CLC. Happy Easter. He is risen. <clears throat> and of all else, welcome to the Easter block party to celebrate. You all are invited, and it's great to have people stream in all around the Bay and all around the world. Um, we're so glad that you could join us. And, you know, Easter is a time where, you know, even though we're not all physically together, um, it's a time to really just celebrate as one community and one family wherever we are. So if you're tuning in for, uh, with us for the first time, we're so glad you could join us. Welcome to the fam. Um, simply put, the mission statement here at CLC is to make disciples who love God, love people, and who serve the world. And one way that we'd love to get in touch with you um, is through our website. That can be found on this slide right here, www.christianlayman.org backslash contact. Uh, we'd love to get to, to know you better, to plug you in here in our community, and to just say, hey, pray for you, 
celebrate with you and just learn more about you. So um, definitely make sure to check that out. And uh, we'd love to, to plug in with you soon. So today is a little different than usual. Um, on Easter, we usually have our communion, but you know, that's not going to stop us from celebrating here at the block party. So um, this this year for a communion, we will be having our own DIY Easter communion. So make sure to head over to your pantry um, during the commercial break before the message and make sure to grab some bread, grab some King's Hawaiian rolls, you know, get creative and uh, grab some wine, grab some Welch's grape juice, or even just that purple Kool-Aid that's been sitting in your pantry. Now's the time for it. Um, but definitely make sure to grab that and we'll celebrate in a little bit later in the service. Lastly, you know, as a church that seeks to serve the world, um, we've uh, been circulating this 10 ways to serve the world. But here are five of them that um, we're highlighting this week. So um, just some spotlights and God sighting updates with uh, our ways to serve the world um, with uh, Harbor House, the um, after school program for children uh, for their virtual tutoring. We've been doing a drive to try to get, um, you know, tech equipment for children who are now, you know, homeschooled and, you know, just need the equipment. And we're pleased to say that we've gotten 15 of the 60 laptops slash tablets slash is tech equipment that we're trying to um, get out there to make sure that the uh, homeschooling process is working well. And, you know, it's definitely very much appreciated and they want to express their thank you. Uh, we're still moving forward with it. Um, so if you have any other tech equipment that's, you know, just lying around or collecting dust, you know, we'd love for you to uh, just pay that forward. Also, uh, another God sighting and another um, ray of sunshine is Turning Point, another organization um, that we partner with um, for women who have experienced domestic abuse or just um, are trying to get back on their feet. Uh, we've been reaching out and trying to get home-cooked meals to them and we're pleased to say that we have two home-cooked meals, two Sundays worth of home-cooked meals ready to go and just ready to love on Turning Point and the women um, in the program. And, um, you know, lastly, uh, I just want to say that uh, City Team, another organization that we partner with, um, has had their first round of Amazon wishlist items um, all, all donated and, and good to go. So thank you to everyone who has um, just loved on City Team through that way. Um, this is definitely a time where, you know, we're also, you know, trying to serve the world, but we're also trying to, to help our community and to love on our community. And um, if there are any needs or asks, you know, don't be afraid to ask. Uh, we're here for you. And likewise, you know, this is a time where we're all in this together and, uh, um, you know, we, we got each other's back. We got you. Lastly, um, for our last announcement, so, um, you know, CLC is made possible through um, the pastoral team, the admin team, um, and most importantly, um, you know, just members here in our community. So if you'd love to support, there are definitely no qualifications um, that was pretty bad, but, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot that out there, uh, to, to just continue to support, um, just what we have going here. Um, this is definitely a great time, um, to just continue to, to just be there for each other and have each other's back like these koalas do. Um, so now for, you know, it being Easter, um, we have, uh, two very special segments of testimonies that we have prepared for you for Easter. Um, I'm going to introduce the first. So 
Um, Ron Fong is a member of our community. Um, you could might have seen him around church wearing a cowboy hat. And last Sunday was Palm Sunday, and he was supposed to be baptized um, just physically at CLC on Sunday. Um, but given the situations and the times that we're in, he wasn't able to do so. But we still wanted to share his story um, and use it as um, just as a time to really celebrate with him and and to just be encouraged. And so um, I'm going to kick it off to to Ron at this time. Enjoy. Good morning, CLC. I'm Ron Fong. Palm Sunday was set for my baptism, but COVID-19 has put a kibosh on that. So Pastor Andrew asked me to give part of my testimonial on Easter. This testimonial is actually what I witnessed in my mother's transformation. My mother lived alone for the first time at the age of 73. But her problem was not just living alone, but she had a language barrier. She doesn't speak the English language or understand it and couldn't read it. So she was effectively cut off from socializing with her neighbors and everyone else that's around her, except for me. Anyway, she became despondent and despair set in and she started having nightmares and being a Buddhist she tried all the uh, Buddhist rituals and they didn't work so out of desperation she asked me for help and knowing my mother she wouldn't go to a therapist so I said put Jesus in your life and I say that not to flip her off and really hoping that she would accept and to my surprise she did so to help her focus on Jesus I loaned her my Bible even though she couldn't read it I told her just talk to him conversationally like you talk to me ask him to disperse your nightmares well, about a month later, she told me her nightmares are gone and she wanted to keep my Bible. And I said, well, what for? You can't even read it. I'll try to get you your own Chinese Bible or you know, some, a Bible that you, you can read. And I'm glad I took my Bible back because um, when I opened it up, there was a lot of pages that were crinkled, and I asked her, well, what did you do to my Bible? And she says, well, I brought it to bed and cradled it in bed with me. Years later, I noticed that the transformation was just amazing. I mean, her nightmares never returned. And she later told me that when she accepted Jesus into her life, a great calming effect came upon her that she has never felt before. So in retrospect, the power is does not reside in the Bible as a talisman. The 
the power is in the Word of God. And is the best example is from Matthew's chapter 7, verse 7 through 8, and I'll read this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, find. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. So, regardless of where you're at, or the situation you're in, all we need to do is ask. And he's there. We just need to seek him out and ask for help. So with this, I will sign off. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Happy Easter. The scripture today is from Luke 24, 13 to 31. On that very day, two men were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. Then one man named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, considering Jesus of Nazareth, a man who is a prophet, mighty in deed and word for God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and beside all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us they were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us. For it is towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, 
while he opened to us the scriptures. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. The word of the Lord. Well, hello again, everyone. How are you doing? You are maybe wondering if I am going to do this entire message as Pastor Bob. Well, hold on for just a few more minutes. Um, The first question that puzzles me about this passage is this. How is it that two people who know Jesus can't recognize him? Verse 16 says, their eyes were kept from recognizing him. It kind of seems as if Jesus comes in a sort of disguise. He seems like he doesn't know what's been going on in Jerusalem. He acts as if he's going further on his journey. Why does Jesus come in disguise? Now, I've been thinking about this question for about two weeks now. And the best answer I have is this. Jesus was once explaining the nature of parables. And he said, nothing is hidden except to be made manifest. So in other words, the reason why Jesus comes in disguise is because he is a mystery that wants to be revealed. Piece by piece, the disguise comes off until finally Jesus is standing before you face to face. And you realize that you are standing before him face to face, as it were. Now, the only difference, the only difference is that compared to this illustration here is that when you see him face to face, I guarantee you, you will not be disappointed. (laughs) You will not be disappointed. Now, there's a certain irony to the story, which I think actually makes it even better. Here is the greatest, the greatest, most beautiful person in the entire universe. And he joins two people going for a walk. And he comes in unnoticed. And they don't even see him. The very person they are talking about comes into the conversation and they don't even know it's him. Now, it is such a great story, but wouldn't you admit that it's kind of strange? It's a strange story, isn't it? So let's walk through the entire story starting at the beginning. Cleopas and his friend. 
his spouse, his buddy? We're actually not sure. Uh, excuse me, can you hold it for just one second? Hey, man, can you turn it down? It's kind of distracting me. Okay, where was I? All right, um, so let's start at the beginning. Cleopas and his friend, uh, we don't know if it's his spouse, we don't know if it's his buddy, where were they just not sure, but Cleopas plus one. They're going for a walk. They're going for a walk down the road to Emmaus. Emmaus is seven miles away from Jerusalem. How long does it take to walk seven miles? Maybe about half a day, maybe. Now, Cleopas and his friend have chosen a confusing time to take a walk. An unexpected turn of events have occurred, which have made them feel very sad and very confused. First, they thought Jesus was the one who would redeem Israel. But instead of overthrowing the Roman government, the Israelite leaders and priests condemn him to be crucified. And you can imagine how utterly crushed they were to see the one that they put their hope in lifted up, covered in blood, utterly naked, and suffocating on a cross. And then on Sunday morning, something very strange happened. They heard some women spreading rumors that the body was missing and that he was alive. Now, the text, verse 17 says, they stood still looking sad. So it seems like they didn't believe that what the women said was true. Because if they did, then... Why would you be standing there looking sad? Maybe they were thinking, can you believe people would take the body? Can you believe people would dare spread false rumors like that? And so Cleopas and his friend are walking down the road to Emmaus. Sad, confused by the unexpected turn of events. Now, I have a feeling that we can relate to them. I think we've all been feeling the same way. COVID-19 has left us all feeling a bit sad and confused. Sheltered in place is the new reality. It is the unexpected turn of events. I heard of one family I know who was separated from a member of the family right before COVID-19 happened. And so the family member decided to stay where they were. Recently, this person has gotten sick and we think it might be the coronavirus. And so we are wondering, where is God in all this? I know another brother who was sheltered in place, and he took a day off to, in his own words, be mad at God. He said, so many people in the world are hurt 
and confused right now. And I, I had to take a day to pray and say, God, what are you doing to your world? I think of all the people who are worried about their finances and some of whom who have lost their job recently wondering, what is God doing? Where is he? Today, America has surpassed Italy in the coronavirus death toll at 20,000. And so there are a lot of people today on Easter wondering what is going on and God, where are you in all this? God, where are you in all this? These are questions we are asking on the road to Emmaus. The road to Emmaus is a road of sadness and confusion. It feels like the road that's going to nowhere. In fact, to this day, we don't know where Emmaus is. I mean, it's such a small town that it got lost in our history books. So this fits. I mean, it really is the road to nowhere because we don't even know where it is. And so here is Cleopas and friend walking down this road to nowhere, wondering, where is God? I don't know. Where is he in all this? I'm not really sure. And then, and then, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows But they don't know it's him. Jesus starts to walk alongside them. And they think of him as a fellow traveler. That is all. But notice, notice that when Jesus shows up, he doesn't announce that he is there. I mean, if it were me, I think I would smile. I would laugh. I'd do something to give it away. I'm not sure I could hold a straight face for that long. Knowing me, I would probably blurt out as soon as I see them. Hey, it's me. You know, it's something like that. Jesus joins them. So what's the word? Inconspicuously, so gently, so unnoticeably. He says, uh, hey, um, what were you both talking about? They say... It, I, I can't help but read a little bit of, the, of like sass, you know, a little bit of snarky into this, you know. Um, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know these things? They're getting snarky with the Lord of the universe. Jesus looks at them so, so innocently, says, well, what things? <laughs> uh, so inconspicuous. Oh, what things? Oh, oh, do, do tell me, do tell me. All right, pause the story. Just pause, pause the story for a second. I want you all to think about this for just a second. Jesus is there, but they don't know it's him. That alone has profound implications for us, for you and for me and for this time. Profound implications because it means, it means, that right now during this COVID-19 season, we are sad and confused and feeling alone. 
Jesus is one who comes and walks alongside us inconspicuously. So if he comes and he walks alongside us inconspicuously, then it's very, very possible that he is here right now and we are not noticing him. Or, or maybe you have a sneaking suspicion that he is there. Uh, I have a friend, and her name is Sylvia. And when COVID-19 happened, she and Tiffany and five women and two men in total knew that our church was going to have a lot of needs during this time. And so people were scared and displaced and concerned. So, of course, there's going to be needs. And so they decided, let's call all the people in our church family, starting with people over 50. So if you were one of the early ones called, I'm sorry, we know your age. We are on to you. I would just like to point out that I was not called, okay? But unfortunately, my wife was. I'm just kidding. Um, And then the team made it a point to try to call everyone else in the church. How are you doing? How is everything? Are you okay? Do you need anything? And people have said, well, we do need things. One thing we need is masks. We have healthcare professionals still working. We have people on the front lines, and they don't have all the equipment they should have, like masks. We even have elders without masks. Now, the very next week, the very next week, an old friend that Sylvia knows gives her a call out of the blue. Sylvia, I have masks. I, she says, I have hundreds of them. Would you happen to know anyone who needs them? <laughs> Sylvia's like, um, huh, yes. Um, and so she gets off the phone, Sylvia, and she's like, wow, wow, wow. And then she's putting two and two together and she's saying, hold it, this cannot be coincidence. This is not an accident. Someone is watching over us. Someone is here right now. Can this be Jesus in disguise? Can this be Jesus unmasking himself and saying, I'm here Some of you might be wondering, well, if he is here or if he is there, how do I find him? If Jesus is here and I can't see him with my eyes, how do I find him? Starting in verse 25, it is Jesus' Jesus' turn to speak. I mean, after listening to Cleopas and his friend, I imagine he listened for a good while and he listened very carefully. Jesus takes, if you will, a metaphorical Bible and he opens this metaphorical Bible and he says, oh, foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. 
And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted all the scriptures concerning himself. In other words, he showed them how every page in the Bible whispers his name. He showed them how all the prophets not only pointed to him, but also pointed to what he did on the cross, how he lived the life we should have lived, how he died the death we should have died to pay the penalty of sin and to guarantee through his death that every broken thing in our world, and believe me, believe all of us, we have a lot of broken things in our broken world, but all those broken things will one day be fixed and every evil undone and every tear wiped away. Now, this is not a to-do message. This is not an application message. But if there's one thing you could do based on this message today, it would be this. Spend time while you are sheltered at home reading this book. To the person tuning into our church for the very first time, the word of encouragement is, read this book. And to the person who has been going to church all their life, the word of encouragement is, read this book. Because it's more than just a book. There is a person who walks between the pages. And lots of people in lots of generations in lots of different languages and cultures have met that person by reading the pages of this book because every page whispers his name. People who are incredibly busy say, I've always wanted to explore faith. I've always wanted to read the Bible and I'll do it when things finally slow down and I have more time. And it seems like God is calling your number and he has finally slowed down time for you to pick up this book and to read because every page whispers his name. And then finally, starting in verse 28, the two travelers are turning off the road to get to Emmaus. And Jesus acts like he is going further. But the two urge him strongly, hey, um... Why don't you come stay with us? Come stay with us. Come stay with us. And Jesus is like, well, okay. Now it's all been leading to this moment. It's almost time for the big reveal. And this is how it happens. They sit down to a meal. And somehow, in a way that's not weird, Jesus goes from guest to host. And he takes bread and he blesses it and he breaks it and he gives it out. And then boom, suddenly at that moment at the table, boom, it happens. Their eyes are open. Their eyes are open. The mask comes off. My father-in-law was a very hard-to-reach man. He did not believe in God. In fact, he was far, far from God. His wife 
started to believe in God at about age 40. My father-in-law, not impressed. My mother-in-law started to share God with her children. Dad didn't like that, so he showed them a video about evolution. Mom started to share her faith with her family members. But they said, I'll tell you what. When Edwin believes, that's my father-in-law, when Edwin believes, then you come and talk to us. And then they would wink at each other because they thought he is the last person on planet Earth to believe. He's the last person on planet Earth to believe. So my mom could do the only thing that she felt like she could do. She prayed. Mom prayed. Prayed and prayed for years. And nothing happened. And then she started to get other people to pray. She got friends from church to pray. She got mentors to pray. She even got random kids in Australia to pray. That's another story. And years went by. Finally, one day, my father-in-law is on the subway delivering a bunch of tracks as a favor for his wife. A, a track is a little booklet that has the core message of the Christian faith inside with a little prayer at the end that you pray to become a Christian. So my dad picks up one of these tracks and he reads it. And there's a prayer at the end. And he says to himself, you know what? I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to go home and tell my wife, honey, I prayed the prayer. And then she's going to get really, really happy. And I'm going to say, and it didn't work. So he prays the prayer. And he said, at that moment, something happened. At that moment, something happened. He said, I could see. He says to me later on, it was like there was this light switch in heaven with my name on it. And at that moment in time, God flipped on the switch and he said, I believed. That very Sunday, he stood up in church and he wanted to let everyone know that he believed and that he finally could see. For the first time, he could see. And you know what? My father-in-law, he has never stopped believing. After that, my father-in-law became chairman of the board at church, a part-time missionary, a wise and godly man that I still go to advice, and a man that knows that Jesus Christ is real. It is that moment written about in the song Amazing Grace. You know that song, Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. I can see him. I see him. And so for Cleopas and his friend, their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And then he vanished from their sight once again. This is a great story. It's so it's so unexpected. It's, it's funny. It's like, we see him. We finally see him. And then it's like, oh, no, oh, no, no. Oh, oh we lost him again. We lost him again. I, I want you to imagine the conversation that followed. 
Now, naturally, if Jesus is in the room, everyone's looking at Jesus, you're going to talk to him. But if he vanishes, the only thing left to do is just look at each other and talk to each other. What are you going to talk about? What just happened? And I think the first thing they must have marveled at, Cleopas and his friend and whoever was there, first thing they must have said is like, he's alive. He's alive. Can you believe it? He's alive. He's actually alive. And then, and then I, I, and then it's like, I guess what the women said to us was actually true. Oh, we owe them a big apology. Oh man. We were so jacked up not to believe them. The rumor was true. He's alive, you know? Now, I imagine that reflection must have happened a good long while. And then maybe they were reflecting on the personal experience of walking down the road with him and not recognizing him. And they're like, hey, Cleopas. And Cleopas like, yes, nameless friend. You know, I knew it was him. You're like, you ever see like a face on TV and you're like, oh, I've seen, I've seen her before. I've seen, don't tell me. Wait, wait, wait. Don't tell me. I've seen her before. Where have I seen her before? I knew it was him. No, you didn't. Then why don't you say anything? Well, I, I mean, I wasn't sure. When did you first know? I think I first knew when he opened the scriptures to us. And I, I know, I know, I swear, I, you felt it too, right? Your heart was burning inside you, right? Right? And then I imagine Cleopas saying this, but you know, you know what really blows me away? During the journey, the whole time through, sad and confused, heartbroken, processing. He was right there all along. Can you believe it? The whole time through, like, that whole journey, we're sad. It could be, we didn't know, like, where is God? Where is God? And, and he was right there all along. Just imagine Cleopas just stuck on that thought. I can't believe the whole time through. He was there the whole time through. He was there. He was there the whole time. And we couldn't see him, but he was there. Maybe one day you will look back at this season and say, can you believe it? That crazy COVID-19 season, the whole time through when we were sad and confused and we were wondering, where is God? Where is God? The whole time through, he was there. Jesus was there the whole time through. He was there. He was watching over me. He was right there in my room. Jesus was there the whole time through. I have one last thought to share with you. In the beginning, I asked the question, why does Jesus come in disguise? And the answer that I have, the best answer I have is this. Jesus disguises himself because he is a mystery wanting to be revealed. He disguises himself because he wants to reveal himself to you. This is a journey 
that he is on with you. And at some point in the journey, the mask comes off. And you will see him through the eyes of faith. And at that moment, you will know and you might say to him the whole time through, the whole time through, Jesus, you were there. Jesus, you were there. Next, we'd like to share with you a story from Stephen Liam. Stephen shared with me his story about nine months ago. And together with his newlywed wife, Erica, he was over a bowl of noodles. I heard his story and I was deeply, deeply touched. It's a story of his own road to Emmaus. Here is Stephen. Good morning, everyone. My name is Stephen Lim, and I'm currently a second-year grad student at Berkeley Optometry. And it is my honor and privilege to be able to share my testimony uh, on this Easter Sunday morning. And I'm super excited to be sharing my story uh, just because, one, I'm actually a huge introvert. So not having to go on stage and share this in person is actually a huge blessing. And two, uh, I'm just really excited to share about how evident and present God has been throughout my journey. Uh, So here goes. I was saved on July 7th, 2007, which is 777. And it really is quite the blessing to be saved on the day of God's favorite number. But even though on that day God encountered me in a real and tangible way, my life got more and more challenging. And I remember that somewhere along the way, I felt that I was alone once again. I was raised with a Christian life, with a Christian household, Christian friends, and even a Christian school. And despite it all, I had always struggled to find a deep relationship with Jesus. I lived in the shadow of my intelligent, uh, more talented and likable brother, and I struggled academically, striving to do well in classes I felt unqualified for, and failing to meet the expectations of the teachers my brother previously had. I hated myself because I was overweight, and I fell victim to constant bullying and ridicule by my peers. I looked to romance in an attempt to fill the void of loneliness, and was instead met with unstable and hurtful relationships that took me even further from God. As a result of these circumstances, among others, and my failure to look to God amidst it all, I eventually developed a mentality of self-loathing and dug deeper in my hole of loneliness. In college, I still sought to find a church, uh, because the church community was the only place in which I felt I belonged back home. But even though I was blessed with a wonderful church community in college, I still still failed to seek out uh, that relationship with God I still so desperately needed. Academics got harder and I struggled to keep up in the school I condemned myself for not deserving to be in. My brother was still doing greater things and I was constantly reminded of that fact. My closest relationships and the romantic relationship I had looked to for validation fell apart and I felt as though I was eventually left with nothing once again. And at the peak of my anxiety and distress, as I sat alone in my single room dorm, I remember the devil whispering to me saying, You know, if you died right now, no one would notice. And it's scary how with every lie from the devil, there's always that deception, that hint of truth. Because at this particular stage of my life, I was no longer interacting with my family, friends, or my romantic partner. So in my lonely studio, 
No one would notice if I suddenly disappeared. So I attempted suicide. In that moment, I remember being quite dramatic. I reached into my closet and grabbed a random white tie out of the closet and I strung it around my neck with its end tied, uh, with the other end tied to a metal fixture near the ceiling. And I slouched down with my back pressed against the door and I said, you know what? If I don't feel like doing this, I'll just stand back up. And by the time I realized that I feared death too much to want to die, the suffocation took hold and I had no energy to get up anymore. And the world went white so my consciousness faded in a matter of seconds. And I don't know how long I was out for, but when I came to, the white tie I had used to hang myself had snapped. And the first words that I uttered were, by God's grace. To this day, I don't know what happened when I hung unconscious or how the tie snapped. Maybe an angel came down and cut the cord, or maybe God planned for me to weigh as much as I did so that the tie would be able to support my weight. In fact, I owned four ties at the time, and I remember testing all the other ties that I owned, and each of the other ones would have been strong enough to support my weight. It took me several years uh, and opening up to incredible brothers and sisters of Christ who loved on me and helped me so much and so unconditionally to finally understand the love of God. Back then, I certainly did not understand what God's grace was when I uttered those words. But what I did understand in that moment was that no matter how lonely I felt, I was never truly alone. It was so incredibly evident that God was always there besides me, inconspicuously, as I walked down my road to Emmaus. He saved my life, and every day I have lived since April 29th, 2013, is a day I shouldn't have, but I'm given nonetheless, by God's grace. And I just wanted to close my testimony by sharing one of my favorite verses, which is Galatians 2.20, as it states, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Thanks everyone for listening to my testimony, and happy Easter. He is risen. Today is Easter the day we celebrate the risen Lord. Earlier, Pastor Andrew shared the story on the road to Emmaus, where the two disciples did not recognize the risen Jesus until they sat down with him and had a meal. Immediately, their eyes were opened so that they recognized Jesus as their Lord when he broke bread with them. This routine of taking bread, giving thanks, breaking the bread and giving it out was the same pattern Jesus used when he was having dinner with his disciples on the night of his betrayal. And in this way, our Lord Jesus wants us to remember him until he returns one day. Today on Easter Sunday, we celebrate with the Lord's Supper. Jesus reveals himself in the bread as the bread of life and in the wine as his blood poured out for us. On the night Jesus was betrayed, during the meal he was having with his disciples, he took the bread gave thanks, then broke it and said, this is my body given to you. Do this in remembrance of me. Later, he took the cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it 
in remembrance of me. If you've made that commitment to follow Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are welcome to join in on the Lord's Supper. Eat the bread or cracker and then drink from the cup when I instruct you to do, to do so. And like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, Jesus will open your eyes to him. For those of you who have not made that commitment yet to follow Jesus, I invite you to ask Jesus to show himself to you. He can meet you wherever you are at. And maybe today will be your first time you join him at his table. So to prepare for this time and our hearts for the Lord's Supper, let me pray for us all. Heavenly Father, thank you for your son, Jesus. We rejoice that he rose again. Bless us as we celebrate and remember Jesus at your table. When we eat together, we belong together in your family. In his most precious name we pray, amen. As you prepare to partake of the elements, there's been a video prepared by Josh Wool during our time of communion. So enjoy. Family. Uh, this is Josh speaking to you from Vancouver. Um, I hope everyone is well and healthy. Uh, Caitlin has offered me an opportunity to uh, make a recording of me playing. So I figure how wonderful it would be if uh, my little sister, who is a very talented flutist, can perform with me. So today we'll be playing the instrumental of Nothing But the Blood of Jesus. Please enjoy.
as we continue to respond and reflect and celebrate this Easter Sunday with the time of musical worship, I, I encourage you to reflect on what Pastor Andrew shared. The fact that, that sometimes we don't even recognize, we don't even know that Jesus is right there with us in the moments of despair, in the hard times, but also in the moments of joy and celebration that he is with us. And so we don't have to fear, but we can have peace in our hearts because of Jesus Christ, our living hope. And so as we sing the song, I invite you to just sing that out and, and celebrate and say hallelujah to the one um, who has set us free and hallelujah to Jesus Christ, our true living hope.
this last song let's be reminded that he is risen and that because he died for us and was resurrected we now also have the opportunity to have new life and so you know, like you said if you have any questions or want to learn more about Jesus we invite you to talk to anyone uh, at CLC let's sing this last song Give it a 
He is risen. Great. Uh, and with that, we are going to turn it over to Pastor Calvin, who's going to read this morning's benediction. Church, receive this blessing from your Heavenly Father. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And in the most precious name of Jesus, Amen. Happy Easter. God bless you all. He is risen.